You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Sean Finder. And Sean is the CEO of AutoClose. He was a semi-professional tennis guy who went entrepreneur. He had over 15 years of sales experience. And get this, he's had two SaaS startups that he brought to profitability in the first 90 days of business. So I'm excited to have him here. Welcome to the show, Sean. Glad to be here, Dennis. Yeah, thank you. So you're you're like a kissing cousin here. You're in Toronto. I'm in Buffalo. We were talking about the bills. We were talking about maybe a little bit of gambling we've done in Vegas <laughs> once in a blue moon. So tell me what's going on. Auto close. Give, give people a little bit of a picture as to what auto close does. Because again, you know, there's a gazillion SaaS products out there, but you were able to take this SaaS product from startup, from zero, from concept over seven figures and profitable in just two years. So you must be doing something right here. Tell us a little bit about a little bit about the product. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, you know, originally with my first company, we were a data company and we had a lot of our clients saying, Sean, you know, we love your data, but we have to find another solution to actually email the data. So what we tried to do was consolidate two tools into one SaaS product. So AutoClose is an all-in-one sales engagement tool with a built-in B2B database of over 30 million contacts. So not only can you automate your outreach, but you can also tap in and search our database and find prospects to email them directly inside the platform. Okay, cool. So it's a, it's a sales automation. So really what you have is you've got a lot of SDRs and salespeople using this for their outreach, cold emailing, sending sequences, or just follow-ups to conversations that they've already had. Is that that's the primary way they use it? Yeah, you got it. So if you're a medium-sized company, it would be like SDRs and sales reps. If you're in a very small company or a solopreneur, it might be an entrepreneur using it. It just helps you grow your business while saving a lot of time with some of the tedious tasks every sales professional or entrepreneur have on a daily basis. Right. So it's not it's not a, a CRM, right? It's no. not a CRM. So does it integrate with other CRMs like Salesforce and other CRMs or how does that work? Great question. Integrates with all your different CRMs, native integration with Salesforce, also integrates with different Vidyard, like Vidyard and other stuff as well. Um, Calendly, all inside the platform. Oh, love it. Wow. So, okay. So it's very user-friendly. See, because that's one of the things that I see a lot is that, you know, that there's so many other products out there that the integration, you know, sometimes they just don't integrate with what you're using, or sometimes it's clunky or... Sometimes it's just downright bad, right? So I think that integration, I think, of course, you're not trying to replicate a CRM, right? You're not trying to go out and compete with Salesforce, right? I mean, you'd have to be crazy <laughs> to do that at this point, I think, although there's some people out there doing that. So what you've done is you've created something that, that enhances what they're doing, not only using data, but using you know automated marketing and sales processes. Yeah. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest important things that people need to do is kind of nowadays is there's so many tools like you said out there that consolidation is key. 
So if you can put as much things and integrate as much things in one solution, your solution will be a lot more successful because you know, sales reps, for example, they want to make money. They don't have to go to the top of their, their monitor and see 10 different tabs open, have to log into 10 different things. So consolidation is key. And that's what we've tried to build it on that consolidation aspect. Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. So today, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about Sean's journey and the auto close journey and how some of the some of the strategies that he used to get his early customers, some of the things he's used to ramp up the business, and obviously with a focus towards profitability because he's run his business very lean, but continues to grow. So again, he went from, from literally startup to seven figures in two years on a SaaS product with no VC money, right? No outside money. He's bootstrapped this whole thing. So that's what really what I think that makes this so interesting, right? Could you go out and take on you know, three, five, ten million dollars worth of capital and build a million dollar SaaS product? Sure. But try to do it when you're just reaching into your own hip pocket and pulling out whatever's there to try to fund element and sales and you know, you know, all the operational costs associated with. It. So do me a favor. First, let's talk about how you got some of your early customers. Because I know you have an interesting story there. I, and this is something that I think a lot of you can learn from because how you get your customers early on sometimes changes dramatically to how you're getting those customers year one, year two, and year five, right? So tell us a little bit about how you got those early customers. What was that strategy? Yeah. So one thing I didn't do with my first business, I learned in the second was you need to have early engagement, early customers. So what I did strategically was I, ha- I was hiring salespeople and I can't have salespeople come to a company that has no demos and nothing or else they'll just leave. So strategically, what we did for AutoClose is six months before our launch date. So I spoke to our developers. I go, tell me when we are six months away from when we can actually start selling this product. And what I did was we started to build a list. And nowadays, LinkedIn, everything is all about stories, about being part of something. And what I did was I built the landing page. And the landing page was just to give people access to our launch in six months. But what I would do is to all those people that gave their emails, they would feel like they're part of building that product in our last six months. So every two weeks, I would send them a video of, you know, like it's like a, like a condo being built up until it's finished. And I made them feel part of actually building AutoClose. So for example, if we had to ask, you know, which feature would you like, A or B? We would send that to that list and say, okay, we're at this stage now. What would you recommend? And we had them feel part of our launch. So when we actually launched our product, we had over a thousand people's emails and had about it was crazy. We had about 70% of those people that booked a demo because they almost felt like they were like an investor in AutoClose before we actually launched. Yeah, I love that. So what you did is you were just basically, you know, number one, you developed the product that was most important to your audience because you asked them what was important. You didn't just make the assumption that you knew and that you had this crystal ball and that you could tell them what they wanted. You asked for feedback and that became made and that brought them inside and gave them a vested interest to at least take a good look at it when it did launch, right? Because they're, they're curious now. They're like, oh, I gave this feedback. I wonder if it's included. Or I remember him talking about this feature. I wonder how that would work for me. And, and I think that's why you got such high conversion. That, in, that being inclusive like that, I think, is extremely powerful. And what you did, that, that's just such a simple idea, right? Create a, create a landing page where you're directing people to it and letting them know that, that you're going to let them know that number one, when it launches and number two, you're going to, you know, you're going to ask for their feedback along the way. I mean, that's, that's super powerful. I've seen a lot of people. So where I've seen that done before is with people that are writing a book, right? 
So yeah. I have a friend, his name is Dale Dupree. He's part of the Sales Rebellion. I know Dale. Yeah. Okay, so you know Dale. And for like two years, he was telling all these sales stories and he was telling about all these different things that he's been through in his career and his father and all those sorts of things. And along the way, those were all parts of his book that he had been writing, right? So, so he was sharing the content of that book with the audience in bits and pieces before the book ever launched. And I've seen other authors do that too. So I love what you did there. That was perfect. All right, awesome. So why don't we talk about some of the other strategies and tactics that you use to ramp up seven figures? Because of course, getting some of those early clients is critically important and getting their buy-in and getting their feedback yep. is great. Why don't we unpack some of these other strategies that you used and uh, we'll see where we get from that. Perfect. So uh, another strategy that I actually heard from uh, David Cancel, the CEO of Drift at a talk here in Toronto. And this is a very interesting strategy. I actually went up to him and I, you know, he was talking about, you know, do you give the subscription for free? Do you give it for a free trial? And one thing he said to me, and it's still to this day, is one thing we did to really ramp up the sales. Right from the beginning, from day one, we had no free trials. We do now, but back then we didn't. And what he said was, you want them to invest something. Even if you're going to charge them 10 cents a month, a dollar a month, $5 a month, $20 a month, get them to invest something and put their credit card in your system to invest in me. So they actually aren't, aren't just using you for free. So what we did was I actually had our team go on a demo and I said, do a demo of the product and then ask them, how much would you be willing to pay for this, sub, this software? And some people would say, well, you know, I, can, I think it's about $49.99 a month. Perfect. It's yours for $49.99 and you'd sell it. We'd have another guy that says, well, you know, I don't have a budget right now. So I mean, you know, I'd say probably $10 a month. No problem. $10, you have it. And for the first 250 clients, they actually told me what they'd pay for it. And that's what we sold it to them for. So unless it was zero, you basically gave it to them and you said, okay, great. Let's you do could it. Have, they could have said, I'd pay a dollar a month. I'd say, no problem. It's yours for a dollar. I love it because that's way better than giving them a free trial because at the end of the retrial, they're going to stop using it. And they're not used to paying for it. They're not building that habit of using it. They're not building that habit of paying for it. And of course, if somebody has a little bit of skin in the game, it's going to go a lot longer or a lot further with getting them to actually utilize it, right? Free, we all get free. We get free downloads. We get free software. We get free this. And how much of it do we actually need? 100%. Little or nothing, right? Little or nothing. So I think that's a great strategy. It's funny because I had David on my podcast back in episode 83 where we talked about how he took Drift with huge growth. So anybody wants to check that out, David Cancel, brilliant CEO oh, yeah. of Drift, and uh, he would be in episode 83. So great. I think that's a, a great strategy you adopted. I love it. I think that's, that's awesome. So your first couple hundred customers, and then you did that for a certain amount of time, and then you stopped that, or did you grandfather them in? So we, they were all grandfathered in, but what we did with them was, even though they might be paying a dollar, five dollars, they were the ones that would go in and make sure our software was scalable, meaning we had all these users. They would, they would test out our billing. They would test out the new features. They were going in there and giving us feedback. So even though it was just a little bit of revenue at the beginning, they still now were still building the product even after launch. You never stopped developing. So even yeah. though we, we, we had the product built, you know, we had a very simple product. But as we continued to develop, those were the people we came to. And to this day, those, a lot of those first 250 clients still have not churned from our software. Because they almost feel like, you know, they're like invested in us. They've, they've put, even though they haven't really invested, but they, they kind of built this from the, from the ground up with us. Right. Number one, you grandfathered them in. Number two, you've included them in the ongoing development and exactly. journey. And they've been a part of that. So I think that's great. I think that when you can do that, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of companies, you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs. Let's not say companies. A lot of entrepreneurs who start up 
and they fall in love with their idea and they have they think they have a perfect product. I don't care what it is. You might see it on TV. It might be a SaaS product, might be B2B, might be whatever. And they fall in love with that product and they put all this time and energy into developing it and then they launch it and what do they hear? Crickets, right? Yeah. Because they, they weren't inclusive. And then even if they do get to the point where they get the first couple hundred customers, sometimes they just don't listen to their customers enough, right? I mean, that is probably one of the most valuable assets you could possibly have is 200 people or 250 people that are willing to listen to you and give you honest feedback about your product. It goes, I mean, that's going to put you light years ahead of, of the other option, which is thinking that you know everything and just trying to use that crystal ball, which just unfortunately, none of us are very good at that. At yeah. least I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe guys like Jeff Bezos and maybe guys like Jobs and some of these other guys, maybe they, they're good at the crystal ball, just not me. I really love the customer feedback. Mode, so I really think that's a great, a great strategy. What else? Talk to us a little bit more. Tell us what else you did. So early on, so then what we did was, you know, one thing I, I also, uh, you have to do is even as a CEO and entrepreneur, you know, you can't just hire people and expect them to run with it. You have to be involved in everything. So even myself early on, I would actually spend every single week, a certain amount of hours in support, a certain amount of hours in marketing, a certain amount of hours in sales. I'd even go on development calls when they'd be talking about code and I have no clue what they're talking about. It would be like a different <laughs> language to me, but right. I would just go in because you know you have to know a little bit about everything. And, and I think the most important thing that I took from my first to second business was with exchange leads, I let the clients come and then I would build the features. So once I got a little bit of revenue, I'd go to the developers, okay, let's build this now. However, with AutoClose, it's we build the features. And as we continue to build the features from what our clients say, more clients keep coming. So I would say that that was one of the biggest things that was a difference from our first, my first SaaS product, my second was not being reactive, but being proactive with the, with the features. Gotcha. Okay. So the one thing you started out with, which I think is really interesting, you know, uh, is you taking time to be involved in a variety of different activities, even activities that you had no clue about, like development and, yep. and whether that be customer support or whether that be doing demos or whether that be taking out the trash, right? Which is what we all do because we wear multiple hats. It's really yep. funny because I, it was funny because I remember when I launched my last, one of my last businesses, my logistics company, a B2B service company, you know, I'd be walking through the office with, you know, with trash bags in my hand and people would be looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, listen, you know, before you guys were here, I was taking out the trash. It's not any different now that you're here, right? So, I mean, you need to be willing to do that. But I think what that does to get to the point here is that from a culture perspective, it lets all those people that are working in those roles know that you don't think they're too good to do any job in the company, right? And I think from a cultural perspective and building the relationship with the foundation, you know, the people that are really going to drive that business, I think it's, I think it's huge. And it's, it, it may sound a little bit woo-woo, but I really think that people respond to that. Yeah. And a, a really funny story that came up last week in our team hall meeting was one of our support team goes, Sean, I have a question. I've never met this guy. I'm not going to say the name because some of our clients might be listening, but I never met this guy to say, Bill, in support. Where does he work from? But that's actually my Elias name. So I actually go in, still to this day, on a weekend, if somebody comes in, I will go into support. Why? Because that's where you're going to find out what your clients want, what they like and what they dislike. So I still, to this day, I will go into support and my support team till the last week didn't know that that was actually me for the last two years going in and answering support questions once in a while, because that's how I grow my business. I grow my business from A, learning clients' names, learning what they like, what, what's bothering them, what feature they like, what they're having problems with. And everything we do, every sprint we do in development 
is not from what we want. It's from what our clients want. And that's how you can run a successful business. Perfect. Awesome. All right. So what else do you want to add? I mean, I know there were some other things that you did here. I think I think I remember you talking to me something about how as the business started to grow a little bit and you wanted to scale, you started leveraging more content, right? You started yes. leveraging more content. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's really interesting. Obviously, content has become a, a, an integral part of getting our story out, getting our message out, developing relationships. How did you guys do it? So that's great. So in, in 2019, last year, what we did was we doubled down on content. So what we did was we had internally, we have some content writers, but we actually got some externally to get more blogs out there. But not only do we publish every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a brand new long blog, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we actually invested in our team building, you know, eBooks and different content that people can use. Cause you know, people love hearing about, you know, what are some LinkedIn social selling hacks or what is the, what are the best subject lines and templates that convert the best? So we built a book every quarter and those books generate thousands of contacts. So I'll give you an example of one of the books we did was, I think 27, 27 of the best influencers provide 673 years of sales experience. And what we did was we had 27 of the top sales guys in the world come on and do a page. We gave them a questionnaire so that people can see, but not only did that help us and give good content to our users, we had 27 of the top influencers promoting our content. So that's how the snowball effect happened with content. And we really, really doubled down last year on it. And I would say content is king. You need to be producing good content, high value content, not salesy content to really generate a lot of leads, but also, which would be my next point is your personal brand. Yeah, I love that. So a good friend of mine, his name is James Carberry. Do you know James? I do know James. James. James is the host of the B2B Growth Show. He just launched a book called Content Networking. And yep. so he had this concept, particularly in and around podcasts, where he would develop relationships with his target market using collaborations that were content driven. Sometimes they would be articles, sometimes they'd be podcast interviews. And so I, in a way, you did a couple of things, right? Number one, you developed much stronger relationships with those 27 sales experts, right? Those yep. top salespeople, because you featured them, you allowed the you know, you put them in a position where you put them out on a pedestal and you let them tell their story. Sure, they probably maybe got some business or some leads out of it. But number yeah. two, you're able to generate your own leads because you were so inclusive, they helped promote the content, right? So now you took their audience and allowed them to look good, put you in a position to score and start generating some email dialogue and maybe some demos. And so I love that idea. It's and the funny thing is is it's so simple. People overcomplicate shit. I'm sorry to say it, but I mean that's just not that. There's work. Don't get me wrong. But you sent the questionnaire out. They answered the questions. You put it into a, into a form, into an yep. ebook. And it's really funny because I did a, an ebook last year. It was called How I Grew My Something About the LinkedIn Algorithm. And what's really funny is this I put this ebook together. I offered it in a LinkedIn post. The only place I offered it was in a LinkedIn post. I got over 2,500 leads from one post. Yeah. From one post using something that was just really interesting content, easy to put together. And so it's just kind of a no brainer. So perfect. No, I love that. How else have you been using content? I mean, you put these, maybe what I call these pillar pieces of content together, right? And then you create these collaborations. You're doing the weekly blog posts, right? The blog posts. So you're doing those predominantly. Are you, is your focus to try to get picked up in search? And is it long tail keywords for search? Or is it more people that are just following your blog and it's more content to try to nurture them? 
That is an amazing question. And this is probably one of the biggest mistakes I personally did when I started Outpost. I never paid any attention to the SEO side of it, the keywords and all that stuff. And we build all this post and we build all this great content. People love our content, but I never had somebody that was kind of distributing it or making sure it was SEO compliant to get help us in the Google. So it was actually four months ago, we hired internally somebody only for SEO. So now she comes up with what we need and what we need to write about. But I will say, if there's one thing I've been teaching an entrepreneur right now is don't ignore that. That's something you should, I should have probably started two years ago. And I just started four months ago. So it's one thing to write blogs, but if you can't distribute them correctly for people to see them and you're not getting the keywords and stuff for people to see them on Google. I mean, we've, we've actually doubled our website traffic over the last four months simply by hiring somebody for SEO. Now you don't have to hire somebody full time. There's all tons of websites you can hire part time or Upwork, et cetera. But it's really, really helped because if we're providing all the content, we're spending all this time on the content, you want to make sure it's being seen by people. So, you know, as you just said, Dennis, I would say that's one thing. It's a personal mistake I made, but something I learned from investing in SEO early on. Yeah. So one thing that I'm a big fan of Neil Patel, right? Neil was on the show. We talked about, you know, his number one growth strategy for 2019. I don't know the episode number, but if you guys want to check that out, it's one of the most popular episodes that I've ever had. Not surprising because Neil's a genius, but he talks a lot about a strategy that might help you because you created all that content for a year and a half, almost two years, and you weren't getting a whole lot of love out of it because it wasn't SEO friendly. And so he's a big believer in rewriting your yeah. rewriting your content, right? So rather than focusing exclusively on net new content, take the existing content that's got a little bit of traction and then enhance it, right? Make it keyword friendly, you know add a little bit of you know depth to it and do that. So that may work really well for you. But I think that, you know, SEO, people are a little are nervous about SEO because it is a long play, right? It's you don't, it's not, there's not very often is there any immediate gratification. If you do a great job, you might start seeing results six months from now, right? If you do a great job, you might start seeing some real results six months from now. So it's definitely a long-term investment. But the coolest part about it is that it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Once you put it there and as long as it's solid, being on that first page, and if God forbid you can get in the first few results, I mean, it can drive an enormous amount of traffic depending upon the keywords, obviously. Yeah, it's, I say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, yes, for <laughs> sure. But, you, but when you're creating content, the key is it's not, you just need to keep SEO in mind, right? And, you know, you need to be talking about relevant topics and you need to make them keyword friendly. So cool, awesome. So what else did you do? And then, you know, give us a couple more tips or a couple more things that you think had a big impact on hitting seven figures. And then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. So what we did was we, we doubled down on that. And then um, later in 2019, you know, as we're, you were just talking about, you know, backlinks and all that stuff is my marketing team said, you know what, let's continue working on personal branding. So get your face out there. So what I did um, over the last six months, I've actually been on 55 podcasts. So I went on 55 podcasts. And not only that, that's driven a lot of people to add me on LinkedIn, a lot of people to our website. I'm getting my face out there. I also did, a, you know, doing speaking events at um, some of our bigger clients. You know, one thing I didn't do enough years ago was, you know, go to our top clients, at least meet them. Even though you can always speak over email, there's nothing like shaking somebody's hand in person and getting to know them personally. So doing that, but I would say that the podcast has been a really, really great tool over the last six months. And also, you know, once in a while, sponsoring a good conference. We did the SAS North Conference in Ottawa, made some really great connections at that conference. So those are the things that we really focused on in the later half of 2019. I mean, obviously moving forward this year, 
Um, you know, I'm on, uh, I'm on a podcast. It's the second podcast already in January. And I also did two live podcasts here in Toronto over the weekend. So it's something else we're going to double down on early in, uh, early this year as well. Yeah, I love podcasting for creating awareness, personal branding, and developing relationships with, you know, with people that have, you know, have a following, right? And have, yeah. you know, where you can have other collaborative type relationships, you know, later. So for example, you know, what most people don't know about our story is we met several years ago yes. <laughs> through LinkedIn, I think. I think we yeah. met through LinkedIn. We had some conversations. You were working at the time on your, your data company. What's the name of it again? Exchange Leads. Exchange Leads. You were working on Exchange Leads. And we just kind of kept ourselves in the peripheral and we stayed in touch periodically. And then you brought me up to speed how AutoClose was going and boom, here we are, right? So, and now you're in front of the entire growth experts community, which is awesome for them and for you. So let me ask you this, and then we're going to kind of move forward. If you could change one thing, right? If you could do one thing different, what's the thing that you would change about how you grew the last two years, the thing that would have the biggest impact, right? What would you do different if you could pick one thing? I know there's tons, but if you had to pick one, because I know you mentioned SEO, that may be it, but there's probably some other stuff too. What would it be? Yeah, I would say the, you know, when you're starting a business and you're, you're, you're you're always hustling, you're always doing many things. The one thing that I did not do and we recently did was build all the processes for your business up front. Therefore, build all those KPIs, build all those processes, get everything automated, integrated. Because if you wait too long, you're going to have you know, a bunch of employees that basically are working for you, but they don't know what's their goal, what's their quota, are they hitting their quota, are they doing a good job? So I think one thing that we didn't do early on was the process and the KPIs. And that's one thing I wish I would have done early on. Instead of me going sometimes in support and answering a question, I could have been building out those processes early on. And then you know where we are today, you know, when people come in and get hired, they have a playbook they can see, they know exactly what they have to do every day and they go to do it. And that's something we're still, you know, we started implementing, but obviously it's still a work in progress. Perfect. So listen, last two questions, let's do them rapid fire. Number one, besides your product, right? What would be your favorite growth tool or software that you use to grow your business? Right now, I think because we have a lot of remote people working, Slack has been amazing for us. We use it all the time. But it's, it's the best way for me to see what's going on in each department without micromanaging people inside the organization. Yeah, Slack is a popular one for sure. And what would be one book that you've read or you would recommend to the audience, something that maybe has helped you along in your journey or you think would help them? The book I read was, you know, Impossible to Inevitable by Aaron Ross was a good one. Also, 4-Hour Workweek. Those both, both are very knowledgeable books, especially for entrepreneurs that are early on, early on in growing their company. Right. So you, you're, working, you're only working four hours a week now, the four-hour work week. You've got that mastered. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you, when I first started, I thought, okay, I'm going to read this book and I will. And I think it, it should be called 14 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, listen, Sean, I really appreciate you being here. You did an amazing job. I hope the audience agrees. Let everybody know how they can learn more about AutoClose, connect with you, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Perfect. And the best way is LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn, very active. So you can add me on LinkedIn, Sean Finder. And that's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, not seen, S-E-A-N. For everyone that gets a mistake, you can email me, Sean, at autoclose.com. And that's autoclose with a K. So A-U-T-O-K-L-O-S-E. And also email me, or sorry, email me, Sean, at autoclose.com or um, call me 647-278-1440. I always give my phone number out. If you have any questions, feel free to call me. Love it. Well, listen. There you have it, guys. If you have questions or you're curious about how AutoClose might work for you, reach out to Sean. He's more than willing to help. 
Really, really appreciate you being here. Have an awesome day, buddy. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for having me. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.